Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by Ryan Donnelly, my co-host. Ryan, uh, how's it going, man? Great, great. Uh, we are excited, Patrick. I think you forgot to announce this at the start, but you are doing the entire episode in character as Twitter user at Thick Stauskas. Uh-huh. Uh, and you'll be, you'll be, you know, everything that comes with that will be your plan for the episode still, I assume. I think that that would actually be a really good bit is if for one week, rather than doing a crossover episode, we literally just traded podcasts with the, <laughs> with the bucket problem guys, right? Where we do the bucket problem that week and they do flipping the field and we have to, we can't just do our own show. We have to try and do their show. Um, I think that that would create some really fun results and it wouldn't confuse any listeners at all. No, I like, I think it's actually better if we don't even like, we don't swap feeds. We just like do a parody of their podcast on our feed, uh, whole cloth one day. Like we just come on and like, I just start talking like AC start talking like Dan. Uh huh. That's who uh, we would take over as. Yeah. That's our direct parallels at those sites. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't see any problem there. Yeah. Many are calling uh, you the ace and vendor of Ohio state. <laughs> it's have true. Been saying that for it's years. true. I have been, I, I don't know, after uh, that viral tweet went around like a month ago or so of, uh, you know, like, who is your personal Wario or whatever, uh, and Dan tagged me. I have been thinking about who my Warios are in various, like, yeah. situations in my life, yeah. including college football media. Uh, I have some ideas. I'll share them with you after the podcast. Sure. I'll, we'll have to, we'll take these another point in life. Well, and, and Really, I, I've been a man plagued by Warios for many years of my life. Well, and you met one today, didn't you, with the Bitcoin lady at the gym? <laughs> i did this uh this suit was on my private not on my public account uh you're in let me tell you this listeners you are not allowed to follow me there <laughs> that's, that's, that's uh, for my eyes only but uh no patrick is correct i did see a woman uh wearing a a bitcoin hat today at the gym yeah <laughs> i have to assume she was american i didn't speak to her uh, i'm still in argentina for those of you guys who are new to the podcast i'm living in argentina uh but uh yeah not a good sign it's when you see a woman wearing a bitcoin hat up here in your gym <laughs> it's a good sign you need to leave that gym. yeah that's that's not a uh, not a good sign just for that woman just for her future sort of life and her setup and i i am excited to hear back on how your first date with her goes but uh, uh i i'm i'm it is also dreading it a little bit the the people you like see entering your neighborhood or gym that you want to move away immediately is like if you see like a woman who has pink hair but it's cut like Goldberg's and wears a jean jacket you gotta move out of that neighborhood right away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you see if you see anyone wearing any kind of branded cryptocurrency gear, you gotta get out of there immediately. Yeah. Um, what else, Patrick? How, Let's do, you, see how here. do you feel about uh, the the guys who wear like full? leg um like tights when they lift not when they're running just just time to put oh, these that's full cool. tights on. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the most insane things in the world uh here's a better version of that guy though is the guy who wears the lifting gloves while he's running oh man that's a that is a, i like him and also at the same time he's wearing like one of those backpacks he's wearing one of those backpacks that has the big water jug in it right that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really cool brand of guy because you you know that he did not come to the gym with the intent to, to the with the intention to run and that something bad happened to make him do this and that's always a good <laughs> sign um I, I don't like to see people who are running and enjoying it i i want people who are doing it by by virtue of they have to right something has happened to them that has made them do this um yeah like you you should be like let's say for example uh you know 
you live in maybe like the San tribe of Namibia, the last like living tribe that uses persistence hunting methods from original human uh, hunting skills. Like that, that's when you should be running long distances. Anything else, you're you're faking it. Speaking of bad if, things to see in your neighborhood, a big truck has just <laughs> driven past my house, like one of those, um, uh, like a moving sized truck, right? And it had, it didn't have like the the usual advertisement on the side for like the company that it was moving things for. It had a big four bit or three big LED screens. I don't really. I don't want and to see Ryan that. It was Ryan Day's face on all of them. Yeah, it was, it was Ryan, Ryan Day's, Day's face. face. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, that's um, that is the I would say actually the most troubling thing to see in your neighborhood <laughs> is a big the big LED truck that drives around with Ryan Day's face on it, and and it's weird that Ohio State still pays for that thing because it, it's been like a while since they started doing it. But you don't want to see yeah. the Ryan Day face truck pull up in your neighborhood. No, that's a bad that's bad news bears. <laughs> uh, what if it's like. Uh, what if they made a new version of the purge, but instead of wearing like those like president's masks or whatever, like all of like the villains were wearing uh, Ryan Day's face. Oh man. Yeah. Oh God. It's so much, it's so much more unsettling. It's not scarier. It's just like you, you feel a sense of unease looking around. Like people aren't even committing crimes. They're all just wearing the masks. It's feel you're feeling bad. The vibes are not good that day. They're just like talking about like how it's actually pretty good schools in the area. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And... <laughs> I heard that Franklinton and... is on the way up. Yeah. Or telling you, he's like, you know, my buddy really enjoyed Brecky Shack the other day. I heard about Brecky Shack. <laughs> I just drove past Brecky Shack a couple of days ago, and it 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 gave me such severe chills to see that those words written out on a big. Screen. I have been I have been angrily posting about the development that started like 2016 when I was graduating college. That has been that has been in development and open now for a while. Yeah, truly truly bizarre place. And there was a lot of heat on it when it first came out. A lot of people were hating on it, and we've kind of let that slip a little bit now. Yeah, and I, and I've seen a couple of people who like might think it's acceptable to go there, get food there. You're not safe. If I ever see you posting the words Brecky Shack on yeah. social media, you are, listen, you're on my list. And and I want you to know it's a long list, but we're working our way through it. Yeah, we are working our way through it. And it, it is, if you just use the word Brecky, if you are a grown person who eats breakfast, really, you're going on the list. No more. Enough. Oh, of yeah. it. I've had enough. Have have a protein shake like an adult and move on. That's not, you don't yeah. need to, oh, I'm eating pancakes. No, no. Have a protein shake and move on. You have things to do. You are not a child. Really, like you do not need to be eating breakfast as an adult. Yeah, it's not necessary. If you're if you're not starting work at like, I mean, maybe you're going to work construction. All it's acceptable. Yeah, but like, what are you doing? You work from home. Like you're yeah. on Zoom. You don't need to eat breakfast. What 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 energy are you yeah, spending you, before you, before noon? As an adult, you are not expending energy until like one thirty in the afternoon, and it, that was like yeah. Two, unless you go to the gym in the morning, in which case then you, you still probably have like a protein bar or something. But that's the that's beyond the point because people who listen to the show are not doing that. Stop eating breakfast. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Drink eggs. Drink eggs raw out of yeah. a big glass. Put six to seven eggs in that glass and drink it raw every morning. Yeah. You need to save up those calories so that you can eat 3,000 3, calories worth of chicken every night. Everybody knows that. That's just basic. That's, yes. that's. I mean. That literally is the meal I just had. That I <laughs> I'm not, this is not coming from a place of me joking. This is factual. This is what you should do. This is what we do. Yeah, this is what we do. This is how we live. Um, 
Ryan, speaking of bringing hate back, we're bringing back hate for the Brecky Shack, and we're also bringing back hate for college football. I think that that's the biggest issue about the sport right now is that there's not enough haters. There aren't enough people who just have these these weird sort of infatuations with wanting to see certain programs or coaches or people uh, fail to, to see the demise right. of their enemies. And we talked about this a lot during the season, that um, we have not yet missed... It, when it comes to putting people in the bonfire, uh, we're going to continue to put people in the bonfire this upcoming and, season. But we, we and it's just, been a minute since we did too. By the way, yeah. we've let the bonfire kind of simmer down to its coals. Yeah, people are my thinking. Oh, did Ryan Patrick bring out the bonfire? And like, yeah, maybe Ryan did forget about that bonfire. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think Patrick did. Maybe I. Maybe I didn't, hadn't thought about the bonfire in six months until I said it. And then, <laughs> and he, yeah, maybe maybe you say it out loud just now did make me think of the bonfire of the enemies for the first time since the season ended. Yeah, that that is a possibility yeah uh but you know what uh it's like riding a bike uh something i'm also really good at Mm -hmm. and (laughs) i'd love to see you on a bike (laughs) (laughs) i bet you would i bet you would yeah you know i would Uh, but uh, we're uh this is not quite the bonfire of the enemies but i think that this is the bonfire's cousin right this is this is the uh, we're getting all dressed up right we're not having a bonfire we're not we're not roasting hot dogs. We're not doing any of that. We're not having three thousand calorie chicken. We're no, getting no, dressed no. up. We're There's going... no s'mores this time, motherfucker. You're not getting s'mores. No, we've you're got... drinking a dry martini yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, there are hors d'oeuvres hors d'oeuvres at best. At best. Man said hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. Man said hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're getting. And it's it's you know, it's a rubber chicken kind of event, right? Is that the word? Is that what it is? That's what it is, right? A rubber chicken kind of event? Yeah. What does that mean? shit where you pay like $2,000 for a seat and then the chicken tastes like really bad. It's like rubbery. I think that's a thing. I, I, I don't think I'm making that. Oh, I guess that is. No, you're right. It has a yeah. Wikipedia article. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of this. Well, anyway, um, we're, we're invited. You all are, if you are listening to this, you are formally invited to our rubber chicken event. Folks, it's the Haters Ball. It's time for the Haters Ball. Ryan, welcome we are the I, apparently we're both the guests and the hosts of this year's haters ball. It's it's sort of a fun, um, you know, it's a rotating cast of of hosts, and it's it's come to us this time. Uh, we both have our full body tuxedos on. They're onesies. I say full body because they do connect at yeah. the feet and they go all the way up. Um, and, and also, we're wearing them. We're we're snapped in like back to back. Yeah, uh, like it's kind of like a situation, like a, a skydiving guide. Uh-huh. Like I'm I'm like behind Patrick while he's doing the jokes, but we're in the same suit. Yeah, uh, and I have those tights on. I'm ready to go lifting afterwards. Patrick has the lifting gloves on. I'm looking at him disapprovingly, but my arms are strapped in, so I can't do anything about it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So that's that's kind of what's going on. In this yeah, situation. we've got sort of a horse costume kind of situation where both of our legs are walking, but you can only see one of our legs and the other one looks like a little baby strapped to the other person's chest. Right. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, we, we've got that. Of course we have the extremely oversized hoodie, but it's only cut to be a tank top. Right. So it's, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, really not accomplishing anything at all. We've and got it's, the hoodies it's also out. for some reason, it's also Gore-Tex too. Yes. Yeah, of course. And it's, it, it's, um, it's the least breathable fabric. You possibly yeah. Wear. Yeah. It, it says on the front that it's, sweat wicking but it's the wettest it's the wettest material you've ever seen in your entire life nothing has ever been wetter than our sweatshirts are right now and we're ready to host the haters ball ryan and uh, also and also after this is over too you better take a look in that you better look in that trending sweater section because we're going to be giving some explosive interviews entertainment weekly for the jokes we would have said if mm-hmm. this if this show about us yeah you know 
Uh, yeah. If our own show let us make the jokes we want to make, oh boy, you guys would be in trouble. Yeah, it would have been over for you guys. But Ryan, what are what are we doing here? What is the haters' ball? Please, please inundate our 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 esteemed guests. Well, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. The nice thing about our bits is you pretty much can grasp them right when you hear them. Uh huh. Um, we're pretty <laughs> we're pretty literal with our jokes. Uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> haters ball uh we're here to show up we're going to talk about uh we're each talking about five teams coaches guys people Mm -hmm. uh, mostly teams actually they're all kind of all teams Mm -hmm. that we hate like we are just like whether it's like rationally like oh this team's gonna suck or just like a true like emotional motivation of like fuck these guys like we really hate their guts they've got to get out of here yeah um I, i it's it's one of the two like you know and we'll explain our reasons we go for each one i think we all have it queued up um, we're just different guys we're, uh, we're really looking to get fucking pissed off about and that we want to see fail. We want to see them fail in a major way. Uh, and I think, Patrick, uh, you have a little team in the volunteer state you want to lead off with. I do, yeah. My my first team here that I'm going to bring out to the haters' ball and then everybody in the in, in, in attendance is going to throw tomatoes at them. They're going to throw rotten tomatoes at them um, as they mm-hmm. walk down the runway. I don't know. It's sort of – the haters' ball has a runway and the head coach of the teams that we pick have to walk down it. Um, and if you're modeling all of these tomatoes, we have Josh Heupel and we have Tennessee. Um Ryan, this is a Mickey What's Mouse. What's he wearing? What's he wearing? Is, oh, uh, nothing at all. <laughs> nothing <laughs> at all. Completely new. Uh, except he does have some high heels on, and he is he is walking in them, and he looks pretty good. Um, Let's go. This is a Mickey Mouse program. We've talked before about Mickey Mouse programs, but this is among the most Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like Josh Heupel in general. I didn't like him at UCF. I don't think he did a very good job, uh, given what he inherited. The fact that his teams consistently got worse was kind of not super impressive and then Tennessee this is not new hate yeah you're no, not you're not no, I've, I'm not a John Heupel guy I mean he got fired from his alma mater like it you kind of have to be a very shitty coach to have that <laughs> happen to you I don't even know how you do that my man couldn't be the offensive coordinator at fucking Oklahoma what are you what are we doing here um anyway Tennessee has stumbled ass backwards into Josh Heupel and I feel like we're sort of collectively not us because we're smart but collectively college mm-hmm. football is is forgetting that this happens every other year where Tennessee hires a new coach and he goes seven and six or whatever it is in year one. Um, and then they, for the entire off season afterward, freak out about how, Oh, Tennessee's going to be, you know, they're returning every player. They're going to be back. They've got five stars coming in They're You know, the bag men are firing up again. The, they've got the, now it's the NIL collective. They've got all this shit. This guy is not going to do that. He's not going to do that. Jeremy Pruitt wasn't going to do that. Butch Jones wasn't going to do that. They all have the same connecting fiber, which is that they are shitty football coaches. Josh Heupel's version of it is just that he has two offensive plays that he runs. And so everyone was very impressed by his two offensive plays. It's, you know, eh, look at the look at the new shiny thing at Tennessee. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. This team sucks. This program sucks. They're not going to do anything. They suck. I don't I don't understand why we do this every single year. It's it's not this is not a, a you know, oh the structure is is just such that, that no one can succeed. No, they keep hiring bad coaches. It's not that hard. Hire a good coach and this wouldn't be a problem. They haven't tried that yet. I don't just hire a good coach. I'm trying to think of who I even like on like I like Cedric Tillman on Tennessee. He's good. Um I don't know any other players that I really could say that I like. Yeah. 
uh, people, on this team. People have really tried to talk themselves into Hind- or Hinden Hooker, which is troubling. I don't know why they're doing that. That seems like a bad idea. I could see him having like a very annoying like uh, last year performance where he ends up being like Will Levis was last year for Kentucky or something, and people yeah. talk themselves about meaning he's good, and it's just like, oh no, he's just on a good football team, and also did play quarterback for them. Yeah. Um, but Tennessee's not going to be good enough to justify that, so it's all going to go away. Yeah, like I, I think that it's also sort of diminishing returns because last year he did, I think, about as well as he possibly could have done. Um, you know, thirty-one touchdowns and three interceptions is good. Sixty-eight percent completion percentage is good. Does it matter that every single pass was schemed up directly for him and they told him who to throw to before every single play? No, because that is the offense. That is what they do. But also. There's no growth potential there. That's what he's going to do. That is the absolute best that he can do. And they went seven and six. They went seven and six, and they lost to Purdue in the Music City Bowl. That's that's your ceiling with this fucking offense, unless you have five stars at they every did position, do that. Yeah. which they don't. They don't have five stars at every uh, position. The one thing I'll give them credit for here, uh, I, I do kind of like his offensive line coach, Glenn Ellerby. Yeah. Um, Ellerby is not really what I would call. Uh, really quick, hold on, Patrick. Well, just while we're all on the podcast here, I want you to pull up Glenn Ellerby's page uh, on, on Tennessee if you get the chance. Okay. I just want you to only look at his picture. Don't look at any other information. Okay. Let's see here. Um, well, that's a harder name to spell than I was expecting. Okay. E L A R. I got it. B E E. All right. Uh, oh, oh, wow. Oh, boy. Uh, how, how old do you think he is? <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be so insulting. Uh, he looks like like he's like 55. He is 42 years oh, old. No, no. He looks like Kevin Wilson. <laughs> he, he, he looks like Northwest Kevin Wilson. He looks like if you if you shaved Mick Foley's hair and made him become an accountant. That's what he looks like. <laughs> this man is in so many 80s rock groups on 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 Facebook. This man is, is Yeah. This is a wow. What a, this guy's posting like, "Hey, nice feet, sweetie." Like, want to come down to the Steelworkers Lodge? Yeah, uh, this, this is a very, yeah. This this was every the women the women he actually knows on Facebook. Yeah, this was every single non Frank Sabatka <laughs> union worker in the wire. Like, this is <laughs> this is a really grim facade that we have here. I don't like this. No, that ha- no, that having been said, he is actually a good offensive <laughs> line coach. Um, <laughs> probably because of all those things. Yeah, actually. probably. Uh, He's been he's had a pretty good run. I mean, like he, he was at uh he was on some of those good Houston teams. Uh he was Missouri's line coach for a couple of years, was at UCF for three years when they actually had a good offensive line. Um, I like Glenn Ellerby, and also he can recruit. Uh I think he's good in my in my opinion. Um the, I, that's I, all I have to say nice about Josh Eipel. I would like him a whole lot more if he was coaching within an offense that required the quarterback to hold the ball for more than a second and a half on any. No, game. sure, right. Or if they had any running backs. Yeah. Um, or really, good. yeah, much of anything at all going on on offense beyond like two, no, yeah, two yeah. reads. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I just that's the thing with these offenses is that they can take you really far if you have elite talent to put in them. Who's playing receiver here outside of Cedric Tillman? I, I like even I think Velas Jones. Yeah, Velas Jones is gone, right? And yeah. there's literally no one else on the roster. There is not another receiver on the roster. <laughs> They're out. That's it. Oops, no more receivers. And so I, I just don't. Uh, maybe they pulled in some transfers who I don't know about. I don't. I don't. No, think they had like one JUCO corner transfer in, but no one else notable, really. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't understand what the. I mean, I the hype around this 
around this team is the same as it always is, which is that people are bored <laughs> and they want they want an easy pull. They can say, oh, well, you know, this is it's Tennessee's time to jump back, and they can put it on headlines. If you're if you're Tennessee, do you ever just get fucking embarrassed by the fact that you know you are supposed to be the flagship program in your state? Your state's growing at a rapid rate. Like all the areas around you are getting better at recruiting all the time. Like Charlotte and Georgia are easier recruit than ever. It's supposed to be a super easy job. And consistently, like Memphis has like four better receivers in the roster than you do every year. Yeah. Do you I ever mean, get tired of that? Yeah, it's the th- easiest position in the world to recruit if you're smart. Think about it's like, like every team has good receivers except you. Yeah. Think about like just recent skill position talent out of Memphis against out of Tennessee. Who's the who's like the, the I might just be forgetting somebody obvious. Alvin Kamara is the one who I'm th- who I'm forgetting, but they fucking wasted him too. But who is like the Tennessee skill guys in the NFL? Who are the who are the receivers where you're like, damn, yeah, that guy was developed at Tennessee. No, they don't yeah, have those. I, they don't really have any. They kind of just suck, right? Yeah, they kind of uh, just. I mean, suck. I'm, I'm looking up. I'm trying to think who was the last Tennessee receiver. I'm pulling up Tennessee players the NFL draft right now. There might be an obvious um, one who I'm forgetting. Last, Jawan Jennings did get drafted in the seventh round. Josh Palmer got drafted in the third round last year. Jesus, Christ. I don't think he was good though. No, he certainly uh, wasn't. He certainly wasn't good. Josh Malone was big. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, you know who they have? They do have Cordero Patterson as Tennessee grad. That he right. got drafted in 2013. Yeah, so. and he's been so good at being a receiver in the NFL <laughs> position mm-hmm. that he played in college. <laughs> Oh. The last good NFL receiver from Tennessee. Uh, is it like Dante Stallworth? It literally is Dante Stallworth. Let's yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I just got to. That's awesome. Uh, 2002. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean yep. it's 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 cool. It's a cool way to it's a cool way to be, and I'm sure that going out and buying a five star quarterback is going to change that uh, in your offense. That's right. That does not yeah. in your offense that does not require quarterbacks to make reads or throw the ball more than ten yards down the field. It's really important that you have a uh, six foot five five star quarterback. You've got to go get that guy, and he's going to change your program because your program really knows how to use a quarterback like that. Just like every it is going to be program. it is going to be pretty funny though if they are also trying to buy a receiver to go with that quarterback and yeah. Cardell Tate. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's going to say no to instead get like, you know, a 10,000 bucks from Brian Schottenstein uh, to go play at Ohio State, <laughs> to go play for the weird little elf man. Yeah. Uh, well, but I mean, what can you do? I guess that's not my business. Yeah. I mean, if you're a receiver, uh, how could you possibly, you know, how, how could you how could you pass up the opportunity to play in the offense that outside of Alabama does not produce receivers at all? At all, it's a scheme. It's mm-hmm. a scheme that does not produce wide receivers. They don't come out because it's completely impossible to distinguish them from each other within this offense. There are no routes. They don't run routes. There's like half of the play is not doing anything. It's it. The other side of the field is just standing there. It's it's a useless offense. It's dumb. This is a dumb offense. Why would you come here if you're a wide receiver? Why would you come here if you're a quarterback? It's stupid. What a waste of time. Well, it's just it's just scheme illiteracy, right? Like because most high school coaches also have dog shit scheme and don't really think about football in an interesting way. Yeah. It means like their players also don't have like a knowledge to digest that scheme and then apply it to recruiting. And so like the coaches can just lie to the receivers and not really the players have no way to like know what they're talking about because these guys just don't have a they don't really have a good outlet to learn football, right? Like, there's just yeah. not a high football literacy in this country. Yeah, outside of, like, college. And coaches. that's honestly probably our biggest problem with education in this country. There's not enough football literacy. I, I mean, it would solve a lot of problems, certainly, if we had more football literacy. It would get rid of, like, four or five national outlets. Just bang, wiped off the map right there. Um, <laughs> and and then there's room for, for, you know, flipping the field supremacy, which is really what we've been building to this whole time. Right. But, yeah, Tennessee, right. Dog, dog shit. Dog shit offense. Defense is not even worth considering. Uh, fuck these guys. They suck. No thanks. It's unserious. It's very unserious. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, I've got some teams I hate too, Patrick. Mm-hmm. I'd like to start off with the I line. can't personally, I can't believe that. Uh, it's hard to say that I do also hate teams, um, but it's true. Let's just start with the classic, right? You guys all know it's coming. Uh, let's just lead off with Matt Campbell and I. Iowa State. Yeah. Um, fucking hate these guys. I, I hate Matt Campbell so much. He sucks so much ass. It felt <clears throat> it, it felt so good to be proven right because, like, you know, Matt Campbell will, like, win an upset once every three years or something against a good team, uh, and the team's always just Oklahoma. People are like, dude, Matt Campbell, one of the best coaches in college football, just unbelievable coach, does so much, so little. And then last year, he comes in with legitimately, like, like three to five NFL guys, like, like, guaranteed to be drafted NFL guys on his roster mm-hmm. ton of returning players. I think he had like, I think he had all 22 returning starters or something like that or 22 players of starting experience returning. Yeah. It's like 95% um, of their returning production. It was a very high. Yeah. Game. Something right. Including Brees Hall, the guy who people were saying the best running back in college football was obviously not, but people were saying that yep. uh, one of the most experienced quarterbacks, in college football, they had Charlie Kohler. who's one of the best tight ends of college football. Uh, they had like everyone on defense was supposed to be back. supposed mm-hmm. to be good. Uh, I guess what they went seven and six. They didn't do shit because they're a bad football team with a bad coach. They don't develop well. Uh, they're not a serious program. They don't know what they're doing. They don't employ talent. Uh, they're poorly coached. They can only win when you're not looking at them. And that's against like one team. Uh, and guess what? Now all the guys who were good are gone. The entire backfield's gone. Charlie Kohler's gone. They have three starters back on the entire defensive side of the football. Uh, and they won seven and six last year. Like, what do you think is going to happen this year? Is it going to be a fucking walk down easy street? I'll tell you what. I bet it's not going to be. Yeah. What they're going to do because they're they're Iowa State is they'll also end up still going seven and six, and they had no returning starters. So everyone's going to call it what an incredible coaching job by Matt Campbell. Oh my God, he's such a great coach. Uh, can't wait to can't wait to see him do this. What a, what a brilliant mind to be able to go seven and six on that lack of talent. Buddy, it's his fault. Yeah, he's the one who can't recruit or keep the talent or develop it. And when he has it, he still loses. Yeah, he, he sucks. He recruited the guys. I don't like. <laughs> he loses to Iowa every year, and like you can say, yeah, it's hard to recruit guys to Iowa State. And sure, that's true. I'm not even disagreeing with that. But it's hard to recruit guys to a lot of places when when you win or nominally win or exceed expectations for this many years in a row. You're supposed to be able to get some guys, right? Like you should be getting out recruited by Illinois at this point. Yeah. Uh, you have some advantages. Yeah, it is weird that they have not turned their success on the field. Their, their, you know, success relative to the program's history and and at least relative somewhat to the Big Twelve into any sort of recruiting production at all. Like it's it's been, he kind of hit a ceiling. Uh, you know, his first couple years in recruiting wise, where it's like, okay, this is about where they cap out in their current system, and they've just never went beyond that. It's just always this. It's it's always like, you know mid thirties thereabouts at the absolute high end, you know, and it's, yep. it's just, I, to what end, what is the, well, yeah, what is the, what is the, what is the goal here? I mean, I know that I, 39th I, last year, by the way, 59th year before that. Yeah. And like, I know that I, I am not going to deny that Iowa state is a difficult job. It's a very difficult job. It is, it is, you are the second school in a state that already doesn't produce a whole lot of talent. You are kind of out of the way within your own league. Um, not a not a strong history of winning. Really, not a ton of a ton of in, you know institutional reasons to be able to sell the school. But thirty ninth as your be- that's his best recruiting class at Iowa State. Yeah, their their four year recruiting average is forty eighth in the country. 
And like, yeah, he he has relative to that, he has overachieved. He's the one doing it. He is the one bringing in this talent. He has to overachieve on the field because of what he does off of it. Like, how I don't understand how you can win nine or ten get whatever it was they won, and the class that you produce is thirty ninth. They had two four stars. Really? Yeah. Two? Yeah. I, I just it, it's it's a it, it seems like it doesn't seem at that point like it's just in you know institutional issues it seems like laziness it seems like they're just not willing to go out and recruit outside of like the states that they're comfortable with or that once they do get out there nobody believes their shit or you know whatever it might be but like they have like eight states that they recruit and that's it and they don't recruit any good players out of those states i i just if you're gonna you know if you're gonna do the the slow build, if you're gonna do the thing where you know where you're 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 making a program more stable, you're building it from the ground up, you're trying to set a winning culture. That's great. He did the first part. He started winning games, right? He overachieved his talent. He he changed the however this means. He changed the culture. He changed the the perception of Iowa State. You have to then launch that into different things. You have to then start doing more. You have to start recruiting. You have to start bringing in more talent. And he didn't do that at all. He has not converted it into recruiting production at all. Yeah. And look, it's not like, I mean, yeah, it's a tough place to recruit to, but it's not like the hardest place in the world, right? Like you are within a pretty reasonable to easy drive of like Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, Indianapolis. And all of those places, I guess, except for Milwaukee, are like wide open recruiting areas. No one owns those areas. Like there's talent to be found in all of them if you're a good enough scout, right? Yeah. Uh, And you also, you play in the same conference as all the Texas schools. It should not be hard to get talent like every Pac-12 school figures how to recruit California. Why can't you recruit Texas that well? Yeah, it's it's not even, you can't, yeah, exactly. You can't even make the same sort of plea that Nebraska can in recruiting, which is to say that because they severed their ties to the Big 12, they don't really have that connection to Texas anymore. Iowa State still has No, you're there. Yeah, Yeah. Iowa State still has that connection. It just doesn't really use it very much, or at least when it does, it doesn't use it well. It is just like, like you look at the, you know, the, the converting wins into, into recruiting production. I'm looking at the last um, set of college football playoff rankings from 2020. Iowa State is 10th, right? You look at the teams around them. Top five is, is the group that you would expect. You know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M. They're, they're sort of anomalies. Oklahoma's up there. Florida, seven. Georgia, nine. Indiana at 11. I believe converted that into a pretty good recruiting class. Not amazing. And also, Indiana had one year of success rather than four or five like Iowa State has had. North Carolina had a top 10 or borderline top 10 class after this. Um USC, different circumstance, very good recruiting class. Had a good recruiting class even before this. Um, Miami, very good recruiting class. Texas, very good recruiting class. This is down at 20 now. Like, these are, you have to convert your wins into something. You can't just win for no reason and then go right back to what you were doing. You won for the sake of collecting more talent. You didn't just do it to do it. Like, if you're trying to build, it it feels like they forgot the part of where you have to continue building the program. You can't just overachieve every single year. I mean, like, even like if you look at the school, even like uh, you want to use a regional conflict, look at Purdue, right? Like, Purdue has parlayed their ability with, like, initially with, uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, the oh. first receiver there before oh. um, Rondale. My Rondale, thank you. I was yeah. going to say Wanda. I knew that was wrong. Uh, with Rondale Moore into David Bell into uh, 
the kid from Kentucky. To, there's just, right, they're going to keep coming, right? There's more yeah. of them, more of them every single year because now they have that stamp as a program. Like Iowa produces some tight ends and offensive linemen, and now more of them keep coming every year and they keep developing that. Like you, yeah. you build a brand as a program and you keep executing on it and kids follow you because you're good at that. Like Wisconsin is like in terms of how it's structured, one of the worst recruiting programs in the country. Like they're terrible at what they do, but what they do have to pitch is if you're an offensive lineman, you will come here and you will play for five years and you'll go to the NFL and you'll get drafted and get a paycheck. Every player on our roster who's an offensive lineman probably ends up at least getting a, uh, a camp check from an NFL team. You know what I mean? Like every lineman gets a chance here. Yeah. Uh, like they can pitch that because they know how to develop players. You don't have anything to lay a stamp to. Like you can just say, Hey, we beat Oklahoma once every two years. Like, Awesome, dude. That's really cool. Like, congratulations on that. That's that's really great for you. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that it ties into to a discussion about this Iowa State program, the way that it's built, in the fact that they do not market their players well at all. They like, you know, you you think about this defense, right? They've had pretty good defenses over the last couple of years. If you ask the average college football recruit who was playing defense at Iowa State, they wouldn't know. If you ask, yeah, the co- like maybe if, maybe one guy knows Aishin Young or something. Yeah, that's or it. like maybe a linebacker knows about Mike Rose. But you, <laughs> other than that, you're not talking about Greg Eisworth. Nobody's talking about Greg Eisworth. Why would you be? There's no reason to talk about him. And I get that that's Campbell's thing. Is is you know oh, we're gonna put our nose to the you know we're gonna put our nose to the grindstone. We're gonna work together as a team. But like you are a burgeoning program, my man. You've got to give people a thing to remember about your team, and it's just. They don't do that at all. There's nothing memorable about this tenure other than, yeah, they win seven games and sometimes they beat Oklahoma. But you you have to you have to have some sort of signature. You have to have some sort of thing that you do. And your thing can't just be that you overachieve because then you're only going to have limited talent. And that's not a that's not a sustainable way to build a program long term. And it's just, it's just he he needs to just he needs to either do it at some point or we need to all just consider the fact that he needs to be an underdog forever and that he can never be anything more than that and in that case yeah maybe Iowa State's a fine job for him maybe he's fine just doing this forever but it like stop talking about him as the coach at Notre Dame or the coach at Michigan or whatever it might be this is all he is if he doesn't prove he can convert this into anything he is a G5 coach at a P5 job it's just a P5 job that works with G5 tactics that's it that's all he is. I think he's also, I, I, my honest opinion too, is he's fucking getting high on his own supply. And he's like, he's been, look, he's reading the press clippings. Let's admit it. Yeah. Uh, Matt Campbell is convinced he's like the best coach in college football because everyone else tells him he is all the time. He thinks he's Bill Slider and he has like one good season under his belt all time. Yeah. Uh, he's a fucking bum. He, he, and, and matter of fact, we're talking about Bill Slider. Uh, the guy who's at Bill Slider's school right now after the season is going to have a better four-year record than you do mm-hmm. after four years. Doing basically the same thing. Doing 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 the yeah, same thing. He's going to do it better. Doing After four years, you're already getting passed up by by Chris Klein. Chris Klein yeah. is not an especially good coach. He's just a guy. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing that like you know that Snyder did right. We talk about making your mark of, about setting some sort of signature. Snyder's mark was how adaptive his offenses were. It was how easy it was for his staff on both sides of the ball really to change to the talent that they had. How good they were at bringing in JUCO talent and then turning it out into you know both really good college and then eventually NFL players. That's a signature. Iowa State doesn't have that. Iowa State doesn't produce NFL talent. Iowa State doesn't produce anything. It just goes seven and six. There's no yeah. Bre- there's Bre- no Hall's, I guess okay. Yeah, yeah he's fine. Right, like he's, I, I certainly, you know, I'm not a fan. Yeah, if, if that's going to be your your calling card is that you produce third third round running backs, then that's I don't know that that's really a great thing to stake your program on. That's not how I would do it, certainly. But I have you looked at their schedule this year too? 
It's certainly not great. Um, I am currently get, looking at it. Yeah, they get SEMO week one. Iowa will kill them as they do every single year. Actually, they'll probably win a frustratingly close game, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll beat Ohio two and one, get stopped by Baylor two and two. Tell you what, at Kansas, that's a danger zone game for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. That mm-hmm. is a danger zone game. I mean, Kansas has, uh, that's, Kansas has that dog in them. That's two and two in a toss-up. They'll lose to Kansas State. Kansas State's good this year. That's two and three in a toss-up. I think they'll lose to Texas. Uh, I guess that's the kind of game they kind of win. Um, at Texas, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna beat Texas on the road. They'll they'll split with Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll call it that. That puts them at three and four with a toss up. They'll beat West Virginia at home. That's four and four. They'll lose at Okie State. Four and five. They'll split with Tech and TCU. Maybe they'll if they win both of those games. Like your best case scenario is a seven and five season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. It's not a serious program, man. I think six and six is probably the reasonable expectation here. And it, it's just, it's just it's, another Matt Campbell season. This is what year, um, like 3,000 for him. Year, this is, uh, year, it's year seven. Year seven. You've got three and nine, eight and five, eight and five, seven and six, nine and three, seven and six. You got to just do something else at some point. You got to do something else. You got, you got to make, make some sort of change. Maybe you don't because it's Iowa State. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can just do this forever. But, I, at some point, yeah. the discourse on him has got to change because this is all he does. This is all he's ever done, and it's if it's if, fine. if he goes seven and five again, it'll be what uh, four of his seven seasons will have a seven and five ending. Um, I think so. Yeah, uh, he would have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's like and two other eight win seasons, yeah. and then a losing season this first year. Yeah, that's all. It, he goes. He wins seven or eight games every year. That's all he does. Yeah, and if that's your existence, then fine. Iowa State wasn't doing that before. Um, that's an mm. improvement for, for the program to do that rather than to be three and nine every year. But I don't think we need to talk about him in the way that it didn't do it. It, does. it didn't do it under Paul Rhodes, but it basically did that under Dan McCartney uh, and mm. kind of, I don't know, mm. whatever. It's not really important. Earl Bruce did this. Sure. That was also in the 1970s, but um, <laughs> that's not important. I, I think that this is a fine existence for Iowa state. Great. I just don't, think we need to really talk about him after that right like like not we the general we people placing him in big jobs he's not a big job guy i think we can say that and especially if they don't get any sort of recruiting momentum ever he's just not a big job guy it's fine you can put him at iowa state and he'll go seven and five in year that's a fine that's a fine existence for iowa state but let's stop pretending that he's this amazing top tier coach because he's just He's not. He has not proven the ability. He's not even a good small school coach, dude. He's not like he's not Frank Beamer or, J- or Bill Snyder. Yeah, I think I think he's fine. <laughs> he's. I think Matt Campbell is fine. For, for but who? I guess what's the other example? It's like who's a coach who's just been just okay? Has allowed to keep a job for like twenty years. Oh, there's not been a ton of these programs that have held on to these coaches for that long, and so we. I don't know if there's a great if there's a great example because. So frequently you get coaches like this at these programs and they leave for bigger jobs and then they fail with the bigger jobs. Um, but I, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a direct tie. Um, Tom O'Brien kind of did it. Is that his name? Tom O'Brien at, at NC state. He did it for, for a while. I don't know how. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Um, anyway, who's your next team? We're, we're deep in this pot already. <laughs> yeah. Um, my next team, hmm, let's go down to the G5 level. Let's go with Ohio. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Ohio last year. You were you were on it from the jump. I will give you credit on uh, on Tim Albin. I was a little bit more willing to give him some leeway. Uh, that was incorrect. This team was very very openly bad last season, and has 
very little in the way of, of excitement or intrigue to offer this season. Um, and I mention Ohio partially because they are a, a haters ball pick team for me, but also because we, we picked up a question from JJ in the DMs who says he is an Ohio State and Ohio fan. He asks, I know OU is not a powerful program, but the Solich hire led to the university investing a lot into athletics and football especially. From this, I would like to ask if we can escape from this post-Solich hail we have found ourselves in and make a nice place for ourselves in the MAC. It feels as if Tim Albin is not the answer, but who could we possibly get? So... I agree that Tim Albin is not the answer. I I don't think that this is a, a lost cause that Ohio is doomed forever. The MAC is, is a conference that really offers a lot of flexibility within its its cast system. I don't really know that there is a cast system in the MAC outside of, like, usually Toledo is pretty good, um, or at least usually Toledo has pretty good recruits. But everybody else, it's it's pretty open, um, especially if you're going to be in the East. That's a good one to be in because coaches will leave the East more frequently than they leave the West for whatever reason. Um, and so I, I don't think that Ohio is doomed here. I don't I don't know off the top of my head who I would pick. I, I think that Vince Cares uh, is a is an option. He's the, the defensive coordinator at Toledo. He was the guy who was at Mount Union for quite some time. I'm a proponent, if you're a Mac school, of hiring successful FCS, D2, or D3 coaches in general. I think it's a good idea. Um, I think that it translates pretty well. We saw it with Lance Leipold. That would be one. That yeah, guys who can win. Yeah, yeah, guys who can win. I think that that winning is really the 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 trait that is most valuable at the MAC. You don't really need to be an amazing recruiter. That's not to say that Leipold isn't a good recruiter. I think he's capable. Um, but winning is and and being a winning coach, being a smart in game coach or game planner is, I think it has an outsized importance in the MAC because of how close the talent level is and and really because there's not a whole lot of space to build a, a program around having talent, which is why Toledo is so fucked up right now is because they have decided that they want to just build a program around talent without having coaching. Um, and so I, I think that there are plenty of coaches who fit the bill for that, that Ohio State, that Ohio could, could reasonably get. There are plenty of coordinators. There are plenty of, of FCS D2, D3 coaches. Um, I, I really just think that, that hiring Alban was rushed and forced by Solich's retirement being, you know, the, the timing that it had. I don't know that Ohio, I don't know that I'm going to blame Ohio's administration fully for that because you don't really plan for a coach to retire in July very often. And so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they will fire Alban after this season because I'm, I'm going to guess that they're going to go three and nine again, um, if not worse. And then I, I will I will be very, very curious about who they ultimately decide to bring in, because if it's a if it's a retread, if it's somebody who failed out of the Big Ten. Right. I, I don't know who that would be or, or who failed out of the, you know, failed out of some other league, but was in the Mac before. Um, then I would be, I would be concerned. I would be troubled. Um, but if they go out and they hire an interesting coordinator, they hire a successful coach at a lower level. I think that absolutely they could return to, to a, a strong place in the Mac. I think this is a good program. I think that this is a program that has, has built up a lot of goodwill within the, the Mac, within their recruiting areas. And I, I think that they are pretty much just a good coach who can, who can install a good structure and sort of modernize some of the things that Solich was doing, modernize the program a little bit. Um, I think that's all that they are away from, from, from being one of the max top programs. Again, I, I would not be worried existentially about Ohio football right now. Yeah. I also, I mean, I was on the record too, that I think Solich was coasting. They could have gotten better than him. 
Uh, I still think that like Ohio is a team that just like it comes down to the age of argument of like just because a program has been bad doesn't mean it has to be bad. Uh, and all you are is the right coach away from winning. Uh, you know, I mean, that's all it takes sometimes, just getting the right dude there. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's 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 weird to me. Um, it's it's weird to me to to hire a guy who's never won. Uh, it's weird to me to like settle for not winning if you're this program. Like the reasons you do an eternal promotion are if you have a hot young coach, <laughs> a really sexy young coach. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> a guy who's a commodity is going to go get hired somewhere else soon. Uh, and you need to keep, you need to hang on to him to keep in the program because you think he's the next dude. Like you don't do this for a guy who's just been around forever and you want to keep continuity. That, that really doesn't mean much. Like yeah. continuity without championships is worthless. It's, it's just more mediocrity. So it doesn't make any sense to keep guys like that around. Like th- there was no need to hire Elvin because Solich wasn't that great in the first place, which I know is not, a, 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 I know is an unpopular opinion of Mac football, but like Frank Solich was there for a millennium and never won a conference championship. Like, if you're not winning, what, why does it matter if you continuity? Yeah, I, I, I will. I'll, I'll walk back my statement about not hiring a retread to include one coach specifically who came to mind. If Kevin Scott, Wilson. Yeah. No, if Scott Satterfield is available and wants the job, I think you should hire Scott Satterfield. <laughs> but that's, that's, uh, that's the only one who comes to mind as like P five flunk out who I think would make sense here because he is he is an Appalachian guy uh, through and through. And I think he would really like this job, and I think he would do well with it. But other than that, yeah, hire a hire a young up and coming coordinator, or hire a proven winner at the at the the lower levels, and I think you'll be perfectly fine. I, I'm I'm curious about what Akron's going to look like long term if Moorhead sticks around, which it seems like he might do. I think that Akron yeah, crazy could, by the way. I think that Akron could become a problem <laughs> of sorts within the MAC, but I think that other than that, there is nothing really set in stone here, and there's nothing saying that one good hire wouldn't turn Ohio back around and get investment back into the programs and, and get interest back into, um, you know, back into the football team. Um, other thing, honestly, if I, oh, sorry, go ahead. the other structural thing to hope for is just that they get a new TV contract. I think, I think that's, I think that that's, that's about it for me. For me, I don't know. Like I still think there's an answer here where Ohio, I know it's, I know it doesn't ever really play out this way, but like they do have so many advantages. They should be able to recruit well, just like being a fun school, being a major campus, having that local vibe they have, being one of the better schools than academically. Uh, a lot of stuff they have going for them, being centrally located in the state, or relatively speaking. Uh, I do think that if you just hire a coach who can recruit his ass off, uh, there's some room to play here, like for, for, for Ohio. And I think that, like, I don't know. Throw Vince Merrow a head coaching job, dude. Throw Kerry Combs a coaching job. Like some career assistant who can recruit like fucking crazy, but maybe doesn't have the chops to be a coordinator, but can hire the right ones if given the chance, might be the, like the fix for a program like this. Just try to out-talent the Mac because you have the opportunity to. Like no one's really recruiting that crazy well in the Mac right now. Yeah. Toledo sucks chasing Candle. Yeah. Like now is the window to do it. Well, and that's the thing with Candle too is that he insists on calling his own plays offensively. You, if you're going to do that, that you have to get a guarantee from whoever you hire that they're not going to call their own plays, because yes. it's just it's if you're hiring a, a recruiter, they're probably not a great coach. Um, purely as like a, a game coach, I don't want I you know if I'm any program, but if I'm Ohio, if I'm in the MAC specifically, I don't want Vince Morrow calling plays. I don't want Gary Combs calling plays. It's not no, of course not. Nothing but, against but them like as if... people, but like. 
I think kind of know your know your strength and make sure when you're hiring when you're in that process that you are not you know getting into more than you than you bargained for. People could not imagine the hell that Vince Morrow would unleash on Mac recruiting if he was a head coach in Ohio. <laughs> oh my god, he would. You could not it. fathom it. He would have so much fun. Could you imagine? <laughs> Dude, he'd be. He would get. He would get like a top 500 player in his first couple of years. Yeah. Dude, he he would he would make '90s Jim Trestle at Youngstown State look like a fucking joke. He like this is this is this is a the, the, he my man is my man is going to four different high schools every single day of the entire year and he's loving it. He's having a fantastic time doing it. He's not doing oh yeah. Else. He hasn't been at Ohio in months. He's not even <laughs> he's not even in the he doesn't have an office in the building. Um, that would be great. I I would love that for Vince as like his last. Uh, his last big job in, in college football is just to, to be like the recruiter at a Mac school. Um, I think he would have a great time. I think it'd be awesome. And they should, I think I advocate this last offseason too. So I'm probably repeating myself, but I do think that's who they should hire. Um, well, okay. I got another one here. Yep. Another classic of mine. I'm just playing the hits today, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time to get Dabo's ass the fuck out of here. <laughs> Clemson sucks, man. Clemson sucks. Yeah. Dabo cannot keep his foot out of his mouth. Uh, he can't he, stop doing he it. He cannot stop this. embarrassing himself and sound like a jackass. Uh, his talent on the team gets worse by the day. His coordinators are worse than they were last year. His offensive line is going to be bad this year. They're limited in every way. Like They don't have the, the skill talent they had even two, three years ago. Uh, they have, what, the running back kid, Shipley, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, the receivers are average compared to what they have been the quarterback plan or dj is not what it's supposed to be and i'm not even i'm still maybe i'm crazy i'm still not even convinced dj sucks i think brandon shears just maybe that bad mm-hmm. but maybe i'm crazy i don't know that's possible yeah i mean the, um, the returns on brandon street are certainly not been encouraging so far yeah and and like the defense and he only got more responsibility this year by the way too they gave him upgrade responsibility which awesome. is always a great sign yep uh the defense is going to be worse. So it's out like they're without stalwarts they've had there for years. And like, as much as we all like to make fun of Skolski, uh, he's a dude that kept that defense steady for years, whenever they could have had a lot of worse shit going on. Surely uh, replacing the, the guy who sets the alignment on the field and then the coach who's been there for a decade in the same year with uh, a whole bunch of guys who aren't quite as talented as the guys who came before them is going to go really well for the defense. Right. Also that you lost your lockdown corner. Yeah. So have fun with that. Uh, what does this team have going for it besides like shit? Like they have a couple of remaining five stars, but I mean, man, Ugh. it does. It does sort of feel like we're we're coming up on a on a time where I just I don't know what the pitch is for Clemson. They're still bringing in pretty good recruits by virtue of they bring in good recruits and that's the thing that they do yeah but they don't sure. have... i mean kate klubnik is there which helps yeah yeah kate kate is good i think that kate will end up being good but you know the wide receiver talent like you said is not what it used to be um the 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 running back room has really one guy who i think is especially interesting the line has struggled for a couple years now defensive line is not producing the guys that it once did the five stars that it has brought in have been largely in recent years pretty disappointing at least relative to their their recruiting hype um linebacker room is decimated defensive backfield is decimated and so 
And and all of these these positional declines correlate almost exactly with the original position coach who was there during the the sort of rise of Clemson leaving for a head coaching job, right? Um, you have what was it? Jeff Scott, right? Was the wide receivers coach yeah. for several years going to USF. You have um, they they have a who's the new new running back new running backs coach like last year is like it was like CJ Spiller. Oh, they brought in uh yeah, CJ Spiller. Yeah. And so you you've got you've got a bunch Just of Just Tony Elliott's gone. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Elliott's gone. You've got, you know, other side of the ball Brent Venables is gone. There's it it just it feels like they're they're you know, it's kind of like the continuity for continuity's sake, right? You're not holding on to these guys because you feel that they're going to get better jobs elsewhere no one no one is going to go hire cj spiller away from you no one's going to do that nobody wants cj spiller nobody's going to hire brandon streeter away from you why are you promoting this guy why does he need to be the offensive coordinator other than he's been around right it being being around good position coaches good coordinators does not make you a good position coach or good coordinator it just means you are around them and so the i i think that the Clemson has has almost let the the process, whatever you want to call the, the you know the, the Clemson process, get in the way of talent evaluation, which is what made them good in the first place. It was it was coaching talent. It was going out and and you know really maximizing a uh, a kind of a tradition of fairly small but very talented recruiting classes. It was picking and choosing their spots. It feels like they're still being very selective with who they're bringing in, both staffer and and personnel wise, but they're doing so with much less talented evaluators you know both in in both facets and so it's just getting worse <laughs> it's just it's 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 clemson but worse it's clemson but with less talent in the booth and on the field and so it's just going to keep kind of shrinking up until it's a thing that just doesn't really matter anymore until it's a program that just fades into into the secondary unless it can get a truly you know transformational quarterback but i think even at that point like you said, I'm not sure how bad DJ really is. I think it might have been issues around him more than it was him. I don't think you just become a terrible quarterback from being a five-star overnight. I, I, it doesn't really happen a whole lot anymore. And so I, I think that the, the issues here are, you know, they're not so much in, oh, they just need to get another generational quarterback, as in, like, I don't even know if you could put Trevor Lawrence on this team and they would be all that good. They just don't have a whole lot of talent here. Well, I mean, I don't know. You can put Trevor Lawrence to any college team. They're winning 10 games, right? Sure. But they also already won 10 games last year. Yeah. I, th- I think Clemson's challenge now isn't going from, like, winning, you know, they're not, like, winning 10 games is not a challenge to them anymore, right? That's, like, their baseline. It and certainly should even have been as much of a challenge as it was last year. That's, yeah. Right, right. They either, they either earn those 10. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, like, I just don't see the, the Clemson path forward. Like, I, I don't know how they get back to being on the mountaintop, right? Like, I think they're pretty clearly behind the next tier of programs now. Like, I would say that uh, they're very obviously behind Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, and that order right now as programs. Uh, and beyond that, like, there's a lot of people coming up the ladder they have to be really careful of really soon. Yeah. Like, we can all make fun of Brian Kelly, but putting him at LSU uh, is a real threat to the national. Like he'll be a contender every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, I think Jimbo Fisher's probably ahead of them right now. Texas A&M. Yep. Uh, I think that there's a real argument that Marcus Freeman will at least keep their name ahead of them for a couple of years. Uh, Lincoln Riley at USC will jump ahead of them almost immediately. Uh, I have no faith in Brent Venables, but <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Sure. He's <laughs> uh, in a program that uh, Jim Harbaugh is probably ahead of them at Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah I I mean 
the only, I think, saving grace is one that they keep landing five-star quarterbacks, and maybe they get lucky and one of them hits. But the, And then the other thing is that the ACC— I is, think Cade's the real deal. I think Cade is very good. I, I'm still—I'm not entirely sure how much you can do when you have two seconds to throw the football and no wide receivers. Um, yeah. But I do like Cade. But the, the saving grace, I think, is—, is partially that it's 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 the reputation and then it's it's partially that the ACC is just not producing a team to take over right and maybe Miami will be that team maybe mm, okay I think you're a hater because I think Wake is that team <laughs> maybe I don't know dude I'm honestly talking myself into Wake being good again no Wake is going to be is going to be good again this year I just don't think that they're like a playoff contender every year kind of thing which would need to be the team that takes it from clemson is one that can do that i don't imagine yeah. that they're gonna do that i i love wake i, I love uh i love dave clausen but i just i don't think that they're <laughs> they're built to do that really but i think miami could be i think florida state could be in the long term um and, and have so, you looked at clemson's schedule by the way like I, in the sec this year i have not they they started the season Georgia Tech on the road, which is an easy win. Yep. They catch Furman in a short week. Uh, they'll, win, they'll win that game. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Uh, they'll win <laughs> that game. Look ahead to <laughs> uh, then they get Law Tech. <laughs> then they go their their first game against a real opponent of the season is a road game at Wake, September 24th. They're not winning that game. Yeah, that's that's um that's not a good first road game. I think that if you're scheduling no. if you're scheduling a first road game, I probably wouldn't have them. Have them on well, the they, they do play tech on the road opening weekend, but it's short of tech, so yeah, that really that is not a yeah. true. There's going to be more Clemson fans at that game than tech fans, yeah. Uh, they get NC State the week after Jesus. Wake Forest. Now, Jesus. I'm not going to bet on uh, they'll split those games, like I don't know how they'll win one or how they'll lose one, but they're not winning, they're not losing both, yeah. Uh, uh, they go at Boston College. Now, you might say to yourself, wow, it's a great upset opportunity. No, it's not. Jeff Halfley's the coach. Get real. Um, <laughs> they'll come within two points and then they'll lose. That's right. He'll cover. You've been having a cover. Uh, <laughs> following week at Florida State. Jesus, uh, that is one hell of a stretch right there. Just of like teams on paper that sound not fun to play consecutively. Yeah, 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 for sure. They catch Syracuse. Then a bye week. So go. two bye weeks in a row. Yeah. Then they get uh, at they go at Notre Dame first week in November. Oh. They are not winning that game in the cold. No. <laughs> I'll tell you that. No. Uh, and they close up the season with home games against Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina. So that's and cool. I'll tell you what, like two of those three games are not they're not going to be like those are losable games. Though. Yeah, I think they could lose to Miami or South Carolina. Um, There's guess, a scenario. I, mean, I guess team they could fucking eight. lose to Louisville too. Louisville's going to have a good quarterback at least. Um, there's a scenario this team goes eight and four. I don't think it happens. I think they're probably ten and two. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna uh, guess this just just from memory of what you've just said. I'm guessing nine and three. Um, I don't know yeah. where the three come from off the top of my head, but I think that they're probably gonna lose three of those games because that stretch is just brutal. Um, yeah, it's it's the yeah. The, this is not a good team. Dude. The this ACC is not, is not a good conference to be the best team, but not especially dominant in right and and i think that clemson is at least entering this season still considered the best team in the acc but they're certainly not dominant and it's just not the kind of league where you want to do that because if you fuck around with these teams they will beat you um yeah it's it's not the kind of thing it's basically what we see in the pac-12 for 
five, ten years straight. Yeah, where it's just the best team is always going nine and three because they always fuck around against Washington State on a Thursday night, right? It's this is not the yeah. Big Ten West where you can just be, you know, a bad team and go go eleven and one by virtue of you're in the Big Ten West. The ACC will get you if you're sleepwalking, and I think that uh, several teams will. And I don't even know that it's sleepwalking as much as just walking. I think Clemson is just walking now, and it's just what they are. Here's the thing, too. I think I hate every team in the Carolinas this season besides, yeah. like, Wake. And I think I maybe am okay with South Carolina. Okay. Uh, but, like, I hate North Carolina and NC State relative to their expectations. Uh, I hate Clemson relative to their expectations. Yeah. Coastal... I don't, I don't know. They're I don't, fine. I don't think that the expectations are terribly high for Coastal because they have lost every player on their team except for the quarterback. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, like the only one in that area, and I don't think we even really count them as a because they're they are in North Carolina. But like App State should be pretty good by virtue of no one else in yeah. the Sun Belt being an obvious favorite. Um, ECU kind of needs to take a step forward. I think ODU is going to be pretty good, but yeah, the top end of the, the Carolinas. ODU is in Virginia, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I was thinking more regional. Um, Yeah, in the Carolinas, there's not a ton to, mm. to be super, <laughs> super excited about. Pretty funny you think of Virginia as in the Carolinas. That doesn't amuse me. <laughs> mm. Well, it's, uh, they're like right on the fucking coast too. Come on, that's Carolina. ODU is in Carolina. I'm, <laughs> I'm declaring it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think of the of the Carolina teams. Penn State's gonna be pretty good this season. Uh, I'm pretty high on Maryland. <laughs> um, I think Georgia's got a real shot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We'll how, how how are we feeling about Marshall? <laughs> about Carolina Marshall. Um, all right. Am I up next here? That's right. All right. Um, we're gonna stick in the. Uh, we're gonna stay in the Carolinas. We're gonna go down to UCF. We're gonna go down to southern <laughs> to the southernmost Carolina, Central Florida. Um, so we've talked before about our issues with this iteration of UCF. Really, my, my issues with UCF span back to the last, the, the end of the Scott Frost tenure. I've not really liked anything that they've done since that. Um, they've continued to win games because they have a a pretty high sort of collect, you know, a, a pretty good collection of talent, high percentage of talent relative to the teams that they're playing in the AAC. But none of these teams since that 2017 year have felt really all that good at least relative to that 2017 year and obviously that's not the most fair comparison in the world that was a really good team that was a, a playoff caliber team um and like the 2018 2018 team was also good and, and would have remained good had McKenzie Milton not died but the the 2019 2020 2021 teams have not been terribly impressive to me and we're now entering year two of Gus Malzahn and he is confirming in his actions this offseason that last season's um the way that he built that that he built that roster out was not just a year one oh i gotta get some talent on the roster real quick to, to replace a departing coach you know i want to get some of my guys in but we're, we're gonna build it the right way once i get settled right he is that is not what he was doing that's just how he wants to recruit now he wants to go into the portal and grab p5 castoffs and that's how he wants to build ucf um UCF is 16th in the transfer portal rankings at, at 247 this year. They have just a, a brief look. Um, Lee Hunter, who's defensive end, defensive lineman rather, at Auburn. Uh, Kimore Gamble, who is a tight end at Florida. Lee Hunter is a guy who owns a bait and tackle shop outside of Orlando. Yeah. Um, 
Kobe Hudson, who was a wide receiver at Auburn, not a very good one, I will add. John Reese Plumley, who was a quarterback at Ole Miss. Um, Virginia offensive tackle, I don't feel like I really need to mention him all that much. Uh, Kentucky linebacker KD McDaniel, and then uh, Terrence Lewis, linebacker from Maryland, who was a five-star, uh, famously went to Maryland because no good schools would take him because he was like, like always in trouble and very hard to deal with. Um, and it seemed like it worked really well for Maryland, given that he's leaving after one year. And then Joey Gatewood, who transferred last August from Kentucky and is considered among the 2022 guys. Um, this sucks. This is not a good way to build a program. This is <laughs> significantly below what I would say UCF should be doing. Um, UCF should not stoop to this level. This is not how teams at the top of this league recruit uh, traditionally. It's <laughs> because they don't need to. There's not a reason to do this. This is how Sunbelt teams recruit, like not very good ones. Um, I don't know why he's doing this other than just laziness uh, or he thinks that this is the best thing to do, either of which is extremely troubling. Um, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand why they're doing this. This is a Big 12 team in like two years and they're going out and they're grabbing Auburn castaways under Brian Harson. They're gra- they're gra- grabbing Harson castaways. They're they're grabbing guys who couldn't cut it at Maryland. I I just it's embarrassing, dude. I, just, I you don't have any sense of the program. You have no vision. Yeah, like I get that these are former, you know, these are highly touted recruits. Maybe you can do something with them, but they didn't last year and Gus Malzahn's not very good at managing egos, and he's not very good at developing talent. His whole thing at Auburn was talent acquisition, and he's not acquiring talent. I, I just, this is, it's a, it's a very, it's a very mismatched sort of tenure to be having right now. It, it kind of feels like the George O'Leary era, where you know you just sort of have this this dead man walking at coach who can win some games and has you know name recognition, but isn't especially good at anything and isn't trying very hard anymore, but. That made more sense then because they were in the CUSA and they weren't exactly a very good program. Um, They're about to be in the Big 12. You could hire a better coach than this. You could hire somebody who has a vision for the future who wants to be here. Uh, Cincinnati might have its forever might have its forever coach as it goes into the Big 12, and he just went to the playoff. He is recruiting at an extremely high level relative to Cincinnati history and is is sort of easing them into the Big 12 level with his recruiting. You have. Teams presumably in BYU and and in um, who's the other team joining the Big Twelve? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, uh, BYU, Houston, Houston, UCF, that's it. Houston's doing this as well. Houston is also yeah. recruiting well, and and Dana Holgerson. I think I don't necessarily agree entirely with his vision, but I do think he fits at Houston and has a vision for the future. Gus does not. You agree fit. with everything Dana Holgerson does, especially after he's had a few beers on a Saturday night. That's correct. But like Gus doesn't. Fit, he never felt like a fit at UCF, but he especially doesn't feel like a fit now that he's actually started doing things. He sucks. This sucks. This is such a shitty, stupid fit for the time and for the school in general. I didn't understand it at the time, and it looks much worse now. It's it's just it's frustrating for a program that I think can do a whole lot better than this, and and seemingly just resigned itself to not doing that in in two consecutive hires really um i think that the next one after this once they fire him or after he retires is going to be absolutely critical for determining the long-term health of the program because i just i don't think you can miss on three in a row especially because the next one's going to be in the big 12 and if you fuck that up you're going to go zero and 12 uh but i mean you're in florida you always i mean you can fuck it up as many years in a row and if you get one guy right you can have it fixed in two years yeah they, i i i mean can you it's it's not yeah. like they're a G5 Florida anymore. They're going to be a P5 Florida. They're going to be the, what, third 
maybe four. I think third P five Florida generally on the pecking order. They're a league that's not really aligned with them geographically. What do you mean they're going to be the worst P five Florida in the pecking order? They're not pretty ahead in the big three. Who are the? Oh yeah, that's right. Miami's in Florida, so yeah, they're fourth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's in the Carolinas as well. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I I don't know that it's going to be quite as plug and play as it was before because the the competition level is going to be higher, and it, obviously any I think just about any team if you hire a good coach you will improve. But I don't think that it's going to be as easy as it has been for UCF. I I really don't think they can fuck this next one up. And this one is is I'm I'm getting pretty close to calling it. Um, just just dead on arrival at this point. Like it's really, this is not working. This is not a good approach to to building a program. I wonder what his buyout is, and, and I wonder how soon they can cut like cut bait on him. I guess, I guess like the difference in the money we're bringing in with uh, with moving to the Big Twelve makes it negligible, and they're just probably willing to cut bait on him because they'll be getting such a huge pay raise yeah. that they can just pay it off anyway. I assume that's how it works, but I don't know. Um, his buyout, yeah, is, but I mean, his buyout he, he sucks. is. He, Sorry, um, buyout is seven million before December thirty first of twenty twenty one. Five million before. Oh, that's chump change. Yeah, five million before December thirty first of twenty twenty two. So if you get through December thirty first, twenty twenty two, it drops to three million dollars. You can fucking do that easily. That's nothing. You, you, you can spend five million. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, that's that's nothing. That's like one game's concessions, even at UCF. That's like uh, that's a, that's that's nothing money. That is yeah, that uh, is a shockingly low. That is a buyout where both parties kind of recognize that this wasn't going to work. Yeah, that's no worries at all. Yeah, get get rid of him ASAP. He's gone this year. That's yeah, done. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that's like a he thought that he might be able to win eleven games real quick and bounce back up, and so he wanted the buyout low. And UCF thought that he might suck, so they wanted the buyout low. Yeah. Well, speaking of Gus Malzahn, I'm going to get into my next two here. I'm, I'm going to do two in a row, and we'll have okay. you reel off your fourth, and then we'll both go for our last ones kind yeah. of uh, shared here. Yeah, our, our uh, last ones are our cousins, certainly. Mm, yeah, there's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> my, my two are two programs that to me are always linked to my head uh, and also linked to Gus Malzahn. I've got Auburn and Oregon listed here. Um, Auburn, I, I think, like, as much as, yeah, the Gus Malzahn uh, move for UCF is terrible, uh, Auburn replacing Gus Malzahn with, with Brian Hurst might be even worse. Uh, just a terrible team, right? Like, just nothing going on here. Lost Bo Nix. Every one of the teams seems to blame Brian Harson for losing Bo Nix. And, like, if you have a team upset about losing Bo, Bo Nix of all players, like, you have really lost that locker room. Yeah. Like, Bo Nix is Captain Auburn. It's not like he's uh, – you know, doing it like for him to leave, that, like that takes a lot to get that dude out of Auburn. That that is like you have to have a really bad thing going on, uh, and they do. They that's good for them. They really do. Uh, this is the worst team in the SEC West, and probably the second or third worst team in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee's in a better place than Auburn is right now. I honestly think that. Yeah, they have Tank Bigsby. They have like three returning offensive linemen. Uh, it's a bullshit team. You know, like if you look at the rest of the West around there. Sure, like Lane Kiffin's annoying. You want to root against Nick Saban, but the thinking haters uh, a pick is Auburn here. Uh, you know, like Brian Kelly, yeah, he's annoying. He's an asshole. He killed somebody. Sure, that's true. Uh, Mississippi State, they have the country's toughest schedule. Yeah, that's fine. Like Arkansas is becoming a little bit too Reddit. Like, you know, the the <laughs> certain podcasts are posting about them too much. It's becoming annoying. Yeah. That's all true. But <laughs> despite all of that, Auburn is the most odious team in the SEC West. Uh, they are going to hire Urban Meyer in a year. It's going to happen. I, I would, or at least they're going to try very hard to make him say no. 
Uh, they're going to do something stupid. This team is bad. It's a bad program build. I don't like them. They're annoying. I'm anti-offered all the way. Oregon, uh, fucking Oregon. It's just just the bum-ass team, right? Like, everything that made them good last year is gone. Uh, CJ Verdell is gone. Travis Dye is gone. Kayvon Thibodeau is gone. Uh, they lost three of their starters in the secondary. They're, they're, they're basically, the Sue L kid is supposed to carry this entire defense now. And the offense is Bo Nix. Yeah, Joe Moorhead and is also like, Joe Moorhead is also. And gone. Joe Moorhead's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joe Moorhead's gone. The head coach is gone. I've got that part. Uh, they have Dan Lanning in. And like Dan Lanning's good, but he's a good recruiter, at least to say. But he's also a Kirby smart defensive coordinator. Uh and generally, like the track record of of guys, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I don't like betting on a guy who coached the according to the side of the ball underneath underneath a big time head coach who also coaches that side of the ball. Yeah. Not a guy I want to bet on to run a top 15, top 20 program in college football right away. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, and his, I would say his first OC hire also not super encouraging because it's Kenny Dillingham, who is at Florida state, um, who is another guy who spent mostly most of, if not all of his entire career prior to this working as an offensive coordinator under a head coach who calls the plays um, in, sure. in Norvell. Um, I, and then in 2019 he was under Gus and so like what why is this the guy who you're like yeah I trust this guy to call my offense guy who's never called an offense before time to come call my offense and and what is even the pitch on them as a program right like like what do we think they'll be good at I mean defense I guess they can keep recruiting pretty well I I don't I'm not as low long term on landing at at Oregon I think it could work but I'm not saying he'll fail but I mean like I don't see what he's going to be good at this year especially man I don't there's not a whole lot here that I that I see to be optimistic they catch they catch Georgia on the road they have an FCS game they're gonna lose to BYU I think they have a real chance to yes yeah I think everybody I think everybody who plays BYU is gonna lose to BYU this year they catch uh, they catch Wazoo on the road week four. That's not great. You don't love that. Yeah. Uh, they get Stanford. They get Arizona. Then a bye week. UCLA, uh, Cal on the road. Colorado on the road. Uh, Washington at home. They could, they have to play Utah. They're losing three to four games. They're easy. Yeah. It is also very bleak to to play multiple coaches who you tried to hire over the coach that you actually hired within the same season, Man. right? Where you have Satake and then you also have Wilcox on the schedule. And Kyle Whittingham. And Kyle Whittingham. And also Chip Kelly is here. Whoops. Um yeah, that's that's not and you could lose all four of those games. Like that is not what you that's not what you want. <laughs> That's not that's not how you want your first season to go. I would recommend to Dan Lanning not losing those games, because um, that that's gonna. I mean, best case scenario, I still don't think they're as good as they would have been under Satake. And I think he said no. But also, like, damn, man, you couldn't get Kalani Satake seriously. You couldn't go get him. You you. This is the best you could do was knock off Kalani Satake without program building experience. I I just yeah I don't know. I don't. I, I agree that I don't know what the long term play is beyond like you might be kind of close to what it was under Cristobal, which was top fifteen and not really a whole lot more than that. Very embarrassing. Very very embarrassing. They don't have a play a path forward. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um. Not interested in these kind of guys. Yeah. Especially to get them with, out of here. Especially with USC back. Um. Presumably back. I mean, they're certainly recruiting the hell out of the out of the area. All right. My uh, my next one is Memphis. Sort of a similar feeling with Memphis that I have with their their in-state, um, I'm going to say arch-rival, Tennessee. Two equal programs, um, mm-hmm. which is just that I don't really 
I don't really believe in anything that they're doing, like structurally, schematically. Um, and it also kind of has a little bit of Ohio here because they promoted from within for really not any good reason at all. Didn't really need to do it. Um, we're getting to, we've talked before about like copy of a copy situation. Um, it's, and it's so crazy because like, so I, like these G5 jobs, like Memphis, like UCF, like Cincinnati, uh, you know, similar for Houston, of course, they can go get like the most exciting up and coming P5 coordinators in the country. Yeah. They can go get, uh, you know, like guys who are pretty damn good head coaches, maybe not in a really good position, like to, to keep advancing the P5 level. Like there are really good options here for guys who make sense to grow your program. Yeah. And instead, you just go with the boring, simple hire. Why do you do it? Like, why would you do that to limit yourself? Why are you playing like it's safe money when you're a program that's supposed to be like competing for conference championships and, and you know, upsetting P5 teams? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it really sort of felt like a misidentification of what had worked so well under Fuente and then Norvell in, in hiring Silverfield because the thing that, that, that was working when they, you know, with, with Fuente was not the same as the, is not the same thing as what was working under Norvell. And it was, it was not necessarily their, their, you know, connecting tissue as play callers or, or whatever it might be that made both of them successful. It was their, you know, it was, it was their sort of willingness to do unique things, to adjust their offenses, to adjust what they are doing, um, to be sort of excited, active recruiters, um, and Silverfield has not proven any sort of <laughs> competence in doing that. He was a, you know, he was a non-play calling coordinator. He was just a run game coordinator under, you know, under Norvell. And so I guess if you want to keep the Norvell program intact, you can do that. But that's not what worked when you hired Norvell in the first place. You didn't hire him to keep the Fuente program intact. You hired him to do something new on top of that. And Silverfield didn't bring anything new. Silverfield was literally just, yeah, we're just going to try and keep everything the exact same without the play caller who was making so much of that offense happen. And yeah, I mean, duh, <laughs> of course, this is what would happen. But it is absolutely, it's it's sort of like the Gus thing, right, where it's it's just you can do much better than this. You don't really need to limit yourself like this. There's there's no force play making you hire from within when you're a program like this. You can go out and hire a really interesting offensive coordinator if you want to keep that that path, if you want to keep doing that. You can do that. That's fine. There, there are plenty of P5 coordinators who would be really interested in this job, who would absolutely have taken this job when it came open in 2020, but the the much easier thing the much safer thing to do is and i say safer it's not actually safer it's worse but the safer feeling play is to hire somebody you already know hire somebody from within and it just doesn't work very often it's 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 especially at this level i think it's just a bad approach to hiring and i i don't really have any confidence in in Ryan Silverfield moving forward because i don't think we really know anything about him i don't think that he's proven himself as a as an individual separate from the coach who he is trying to replace which is just not a good not a good sign for a head coach. They, you know, now entering year three of Ryan Silverfield. I don't know a goddamn thing about the guy it, other than, yeah, I worked for Mike Norvell. That's that's pretty much the only thing that he says is he worked for Mike Norvell. We're going to do what Mike Norvell did. And it's just, I, I don't, I don't really, what's the point, right? Why not just go hire a different guy who has Mike Norvell's, you know, stature coming in instead of somebody who worked under Mike Norvell. Norvell's best trait was that he had, these new interesting ideas. This guy doesn't have any new interesting ideas. He's got nothing. Yeah, there, there's literally nothing special about this guy. He's a replacement level coach. He's an NPC coach. Uh, there's just nothing going on up there. He's just a guy 
He's just a guy you write into the script as the replacement coach who gets killed off in the first season. Uh, no, yeah. no need for him to exist. Yeah, just just nothing useful here. Yeah, unnecessary. Uh, yeah, totally unnecessary. Not interested. It's time to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Ryan, who's your last team? Uh, well, Patrick, we should just announce ours together, right? Yep. Um, your your last team at the Haters Ball is the Ohio State Buckeyes, and mine are the mine's the uh, uh, the, Wish- uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Very funny trying to pass off your favorite team to me, so you don't have to own it yourself. But no, <laughs> it is time, Patrick. It's time for the last duel between you and I. Mm-hmm. It's time ever. to put <laughs> the last time we it will ever the... argue about this. <laughs> After this, it's the packs flipping the field. It is time to put Michigan in that goddamn bonfire. These frauds, these phonies, these absolute fucking bums are never doing it again. Mm-hmm. You've just seen, if you're a Michigan fan is in their 20s right now, you've just seen the best seed of Michigan football you'll ever see the rest of the world. <laughs> it's only downhill from here. It's never getting better again. Uh-huh. <laughs> you made the playoff once. I hope it was worth it. Hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, say what you have to say. Is that your is that your 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 pitch here against Michigan? No, no. I assume we're just talking through both these teams at the same time. I mean, how, how do, I mean they're kind of inextricably. Oh linked. yeah. I mean, how... um, well, Ohio State hired Ryan Silverfield. That's my, my that's my primary argument against anything that you're saying is that Michigan's primary competition hired Ryan Silverfield as its head coach. Ryan Silverfield has the Ryan Silverfield of Ohio State, Ryan uh, Scarlet and Grayfield, if you will. Yeah. Uh, has, has twice as many conference championships and playoff appearances in three years as Jim Harbaugh does in seven. Mm-hmm. Who did he take over for? Yeah, Urban Meyer, of course. But yeah. like, where's he? I mean, Jim, yeah, he's gone. No shit. <laughs> I don't think anything Michigan did last season is replicatable on this year's team. Uh, they had a fantastic pass rush defensive line. That's totally gone. All the things that made them good last year are gone. They're like, what, what do we, we, it's not like Dylan McCaffrey was the one winning them games there. Right. That they weren't winning. Like that offensive line, a lot of that, that production is gone. Like what do they have to crow about this year? Who was the quarter? It was not Dylan McCaffrey. Who was the quarterback? (laughs) I have forgotten his name. Was it was McCaffrey. No, not Dylan McCaffrey. It was, uh, uh, it was something else. One of those other guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it was all what's his name, Cade McNamara. They're all the same. <laughs> they got a bunch of mix up there. They got M- McNamara, McCarthy, McCaffrey. They're all the same fucking uh, guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and guess what? JJ McCarthy is the new fucking savior right now. You got Bo Nix. JJ McCarthy is Bo Nix. I hope you enjoy him. Yeah. He, he. I mean, he throws the ball really hard. You know, you gotta love. Throws that. the ball really hard. He yeah, he's the Torsikowski mixed with bonus. Throws the ball really fucking hard. You gotta like that. <laughs> that's that's a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that the offense is probably gonna get a little bit better just by virtue of it returns like every member of the team uh, except for the running back, who, if we're being honest, was very good. I don't think Hassan Haskins was like a dude at running back by any means. He runs like a four eight. Um, but I, I, the defense is certainly gonna get worse. I don't think Michigan's gonna be as good as it was last year. Um, I would, I would agree with that. I think that that was, that would be a pretty hard, uh, bar to reach consistently given the way that this program recruits. Um, the schedule is such that they could still absolutely go 11 and one or, or 10 and two, but yeah, uh, sure. But that's not, that's not important. Like they're still, they're still a bitch ass team. I mean, like, well, that's what we're getting at here is like, it's like, it's like Clemson. It's not about record. It's about results. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Look, we, we talked we talked a little while ago about the the program outlook for Michigan. I think that my opinion on that remains, which is just that 
yeah, when, when Ohio State has a down year and Michigan maybe times it up correctly, it could go to the playoff. But other than that, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be the, the, the dominant best team in the Big Ten consistently in the way that it's currently structured just because the, the recruiting doesn't play out like that. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, it's just every time Ohio State loses to Michigan, it goes through an existential crisis that makes it reshape who it is as a program. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the lose to Michigan or Trestle, and he goes out against Terrell Pryor. Like, you lose to Michigan under Luke Fickle, and they're like, okay, let's well, go to Urban Meyer. You know, you lose to uh, Michigan under Ryan Day, and they're like, we'll go higher. We'll go spend $2 million a year in the best offensive coordinator available in college football. And, and it's just they'll keep doing this forever. Like, you know – like we'll, we'll we'll grow a new billionaire deep in this the heart of Dayton somewhere to come fund the the uh, <laughs> come fund the next NIL collector for Ohio State if that's what needs to happen. Like there's just not a scenario where Ohio State will ever let Michigan pass this program for more than a year at a time ever again. Yeah. Uh, the, this the psychosis that is deeply rooted in this fan base now is never going away. Yeah. It is like an indelible stain on our hearts. Like we are we are in the heart of darkness, uh, and and we love it here. That's the best thing. We we love it. We are. We are as deep in the jungle of, of hate uh, and of passion as you can possibly get. And, and it's our fucking jungle. Like, no one else lives here the way we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama fans think they have a rivalry. There's not a rivalry that Alabama has. It's this fucking joke of a rivalry. They don't care. About it. <laughs> it's a, it's, they, they lose that rivalry, like, you know, two of every five times. They just don't care. It doesn't mean anything to them at all. It, doesn't mean, it means nothing as long as they win a national championship. Like, Ohio State fans, a lot of them, they're, like, not, not all of them, but I'd say a not – insignificant minority of the fan base would prefer to beat Michigan and lose the playoff than they would to win a national championship at this yeah, point. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I've seen people say something to that effect, to that exact effect before. A lot like of people. Times. Yeah, yeah. It's like a common argument every year. Like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. And like Ohio state has not lost back to back games. It's conference opponent in 18 years. Mm-hmm. It's happened twice in the last 25. Uh, they've, you know, Jim Harbaugh has never posted back-to-back top 10 seasons in 11 years of power five head coach, right? Uh, You know, every time a big 10 team finishes the top 10 for one year on average in the last decade, they've regressed by two and a half wins the following season. Yeah. That's that's non-Ohio state big 10 teams. That's not Ohio state big 10 teams. Correct. Uh, Should clarify that. Yeah. Um, They lose eight defensive starters, including the best player they've had in this century. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, they're just, they're a team that probably should go 10 and two because of an easy schedule, but I think they're going to find a way to lose games uh, because I think people are forgetting pretty easily how terrible they were in 2020. You can call it a pandemic year, whatever you want. Like that team was really fucking bad and they were soft too. And they had the right combination last year. Credit to them. It's a great season. It's one of the best seasons they've had. You know, it's probably one of the top five seasons they've had in the last, you know, 40 years. That's nice and all, but uh, it's not a team that's going to do it again. It's that's like Michigan football is Iowa. Like they had one great year. That's really cool, but it's just not happened again. Yeah. It's like it's ha- really talented Iowa, a, a very of the, the maximized version of Iowa essentially. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I think that Michigan is, is I think we've seen about what the ceiling could be. I think that they can reach that again at some point. They're not going to every year. Um, I have Ohio State on this list because it feels like a it's it's like a Dark Souls hollowed team, right? There's no there's mm-hmm. not there's there's no heart here. There's no soul. To I don't this. know what that means, by the it, way. It's, I, don't, it's, I don't play Dark Souls. It's like a guy who died. I think I, I also have not played it. I see people reference it. It's like, <laughs> it's like a guy who Come died. On. He's, he's unbelievable. Still, he's still walking around. There are some some guys who listen to this show who play video games. They can let me know if that's right. But I think it's like a guy who died. Um, 
but it, it's it's th- that's what this team feels like to me. They have a bunch of talent. They have a whole bunch of five stars, but not uh, really any of them on the other side of the the ball from from offense, right? You have a bunch of good five stars on offense, but none of the defensive five stars have proven much of anything at all. Um, they are going to get better coaching, but they're all also 20 pounds overweight and don't move very well. And so I don't know how much <laughs> is going to matter. Um, and, and so it just like, and then I, I watch these guys in practice. I watch them, you know, I'm going to watch the spring game this Saturday. I'm going to go watch the spring game from the press box and I'm going to see Javante Jean-Baptiste with the first team. I'm going to see Zach Harrison with the first team. And, and so it's a spring game. Who cares? It's the first team. Yeah, and then when they play Notre Dame and they're on the first team again, we'll have a we'll have a new conversation about it. But it's just it doesn't really feel like there's. It, we we talked before about how they compare themselves to Georgia and Alabama. This team is so distinctly below those two in terms of its program structure, in terms of the athletes that it has, the the coaching that it has, everything. It and it's just they are going to beat Michigan. I think Ohio State is going to beat Michigan probably pretty handily. But Ohio State's comparing point here at the national level is Alabama and Georgia, and it's not there. It is not there talent wise. It's certainly not there coaching wise. And so I think they're just sort of stuck here. They're hollow. They're, they're, they're perpetually. I think, hold on. I want to push back on that. I think Ohio State's last year key was absolutely correctly. You're 100% correct. They were not in the athletic level of Georgia or Alabama last year. Georgia and Alabama do still have better infrastructure to continue developing athletes. I'm not arguing that. I've talked about it at length. However, Ohio State this season, I don't think is at a significant athletic disadvantage what Alabama and Georgia are trying out. I think Georgia lost a ton. I don't think Georgia's a serious contender this year. Uh, Alabama still cannot figure. I mean, like they do not have receivers, that football team. They're getting worse at receiver every year. Uh, they are trying to run a bullshit offense without the receivers you need to actually win games with it anymore. Like there's no J-Mo, there's no Devonta. There's no Jada Wada walking at that door right now. Uh, in fact, they're walking out the door. Uh, like, Yes, Ohio State is a team that is mismanaged by Ryan Day and who does not really know how to build a program correctly. I don't disagree with that. But I don't think this, it's any different from saying the same of Kirby Smart. And Kirby Smart won a national championship last year because he had the right mix of talent on one side of the football to take advantage of a team that wasn't dominant. Uh, and that's what happened. And I think this year's Ohio State offense, combined with the defense that are Jim Knowles, it should be, even if slower than they should be under correct strength conditioning coaching, should still be competent. Like there's enough talent on that team. They'll figure it out. As the season goes on, they will lose some of the excess McMurray weight and he'll then try to ruin them again the next off season, but they'll at least escape his grasp after a few weeks uh, of running. <laughs> like uh, they did last they year. Run too much. Yeah. Come on. They <laughs> look, man, I watched the Michigan game. You can't lie to me about this. I watched it. <laughs> the problem with the Michigan game was not that they were too slow. The problem with the Michigan game is their baby shit soft and that mm-hmm. they, didn't have any blocking that's, up see, that's, because that's, they had a, that's what it comes down to for me. What changes that? They have the same strength and condition. They have now. two guards playing guard. Yeah, but the defense doesn't. The, the defense has the same guys that had last year, and they're the ones who got pushed around. There's It's the same strength staff. It's the same people. I think, I, I th- again, I'm not disagreeing it's a problem. It's not going to length that's a problem. I understand that it's an issue. They're not going to, like, I don't think there's a, a team in college football that can take advantage of this year. Like, I, I don't know. You don't, like, even if... Yeah, I don't know, man. Like that Michigan game last season was the first time a team beat Ohio State by running the football at them in I think, what, a decade. I think Oregon also did it. So in four, fair, it happened twice in one year. Okay, three months. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair point. Uh, it's bizarre to be able to see it happen, and it's certainly a problem. 
I think if it happens again, then both Mick Marotti and Larry Johnson should be fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's kind of indisputable, but nonetheless, or maybe forced to retire. You can call it what you want, mm-hmm. uh, make them go paint houses somewhere. But <laughs> um, I think that none, like despite all of that having been said, literally just by having a semi-competent uh, defensive staff, having a coordinator knows what he's doing, Ohio State can trot out the players it has, even if they're weaker and, and like smaller or slower than they should be. Definitely not smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they <laughs> can still put up a top twenty-five defense, which is all they need. This offense keeps the production that it had. Yeah, the 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 only other thing the thing I would push back on is that um, I think that you could put all freshmen essentially out there at Georgia or Alabama, and they would be more athletic than this Ohio State team. I think Ohio State has closed the talent gap by virtue of Alabama and Georgia having players leave. The athleticism is not anywhere fucking close. It is. It is. They are miles apart. What like just. Watching it's a problem the, on defense. Yeah, it's a problem. It, on defense. it is, and like the, the receivers are very good athletes, but they're also not working out under McMurray. And it's like, right. Well, also the running backs are fine. They, they're in a good enough place. To they, they are. The longer you stay at Ohio State, the worse you become as a running back. It seems. Um, it's true. And uh, save for J.K. Dobbins, who I don't think was by virtue of development as much as it was offensive scheme. Um, but uh, I, I like. That's that is the that's the hang up for me is that these guys are just it's really not impressive watching them play athletically. Talent, yes, absolutely. They have all the talent in the world. They are the most talented team in college football this season in terms of, you know, combination of talent and and returning production. But there is not a physical there, there's not a physically intimidating person on this defense. There's not a single Oh, one. come on. No. I mean, look, like Guys like guys like Ronnie Hickman, uh, Steel Chambers, and Josh Proctor have all shown capacity to fly to the ball at impressive speeds and make great contact when they get there in the back seven. All all of those guys have shown the ability to do that. Court Williams showed that too last year and flashed he's allowed to play. And they haven't played deep safety, which I think is going to go really well. Um, Maybe, yeah, we'll see. But I, I mean, like, <laughs> I, regardless, I, I think you have four guys who are going to be in the mix out there for the capacity to do that. We are the also corner as the uh, corner. We're, t- we're talking here about. Josh Proctor, who is who's playing on a a repaired compound fracture on his leg, we're talking about Ronnie Hickman, who did not know what he was doing last season and just ran to the football, which is better than what anybody else was doing. But we're we're talking about a converted running. You're talking back. about athleticism, not about not about uh, yeah, well, not about I, like defensive but, scheme. And that's that's the thing is that even the guys who are athletic then have different issues to overcome, which is that none of them know how to play defense. And I I do think that Jim Knowles can increase the competency, but I I think that there is just a fundamental limitation on this defense. It will that will hurt this team's ceiling against the best team that it, teams that it plays because Jim Knowles could be the best football coach of all time, and I just don't think he's going to be able to push these guys that far this year because of how shitty their coaching was last season and how poor so many of them are as athletes. How how the you know the they're not the, look I, look I, I think we're getting distracted here from the point. They are not developing the same way the Georgia Alabama athletes are. It, it's, Absolutely, that's the truth. That, but they're not poor athletes. They're no, still like relative to human the, the beings. Same. No, but I think that relative to no, the no, top no, no, no. Relative to other college football players, relative to other top ten college football teams, they're not poor athletes. Like these, are the same kids who had offers from Georgia Alabama and are like a year or two removed away from that point. Things change in that period of time. Yeah, but it's not like they're suddenly be, they go from being five-star coveted players to be in like three-star production. Yeah. Coaching was the issue more than it was SNC last year. SNC is a major problem and it does distinguish at this level, but not to the point where we're talking about it. Like they have a complete athletic disadvantage. The coaching will like literally just knowing where you're supposed to go play to play and being able to run to the football because you know your assignment 
will change what we're seeing. And not, I don't think all these players can do that. Like some of them are just fucking bad at that. Like Cody Simon should be playing football at Ohio state. Like absolutely. He's Dallas fan 2.0. No doubt about that. But like uh, other guys, in the roster are just suffering from not knowing where the ball goes uh, because of a, a coaching problem, not because of an athletics problem. I, I think that, I think that we'll see it bear out. I, I think that, I think that a lot of it is coaching. I think a lot of it was that guys didn't know where they were supposed to be. I think that a, a defensive rotation that is absolutely going to include Zach Harrison and Javante Jean-Baptiste, that is absolutely going to include Jerron Cage and, to an extent, Teron Vincent, he's fine, um, that will have Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg and all of these guys who I'm naming playing significant minutes is still going to be limited athletically in a way that it just frankly shouldn't be with the kind of talent that they have. And that's why they're... I agree, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. That's why they are, that's why they are in my haters' ball. And that's why I think that they absolutely could lose in the playoff to a team that they have no business losing to in terms of experience returning. This should be a walkaway national champion and they're not going to be. They they might win But you're But you're also arguing that like, I mean, I don't know. Like we have seen the, the depth chart already change fairly substantially under like one spring of Jim Knowles. I don't know before, but like... I mean, I guess they're he, in the he, spring with protecting numbers to a certain level. Yeah, he, like, he added he added a position, but I like I still see the top defensive line, and it's not it's not the sophomores, it's not the young guys. Um, maybe it will be, but Ohio State has never done that ever. <laughs> There's no history of Ohio State doing that. They don't do that, and so unless the young guys at T line. No, I'm saying like I mean, a, a making a full scale youth movement in at the time that they should instead of having their hand forced and doing it too late. They don't do. What that. about 2014? I don't think that that was that. I, I, that was a pretty old team already. There was a lot of juniors. That was like that Joey was, Bosa, uh, Darren Lee, sophomores. Uh, you had uh, Raquel McMillan was a freshman on that team. Von Bell was a sophomore on that team. That defense uh, was also Eli gone. Apple was a freshman. Marshawn Lattimore was a freshman or sophomore. Yeah, I, uh, I would I would consider that that they they were they had their hand forced and also I don't think the defense was really the strength of that team. I don't I don't know if that's no, a but it doesn't have to be. It shouldn't be this year either, right? It doesn't have to be no, strength. I, like yeah, like I I'm, I agree that they should win the national championship. I agree that on paper they should be very good, and I think that they will be very good. But they are in my haters' ball because they should be without a question the national champion. They should be a a heavy heavy extremely heavy favorite coming into this season yeah. and they are not for reasons that they control entirely it is exclusively sure. ohio state centric reasons that they are not the runaway favorite and that they are not and if they get to i think if they if they don't win the national championship or i should say this if they don't win the national championship ryan day should be i don't know probably donate most of his pay to local ohio charities <laughs> to the flipping the i field think fund. if flipping the field fund yeah to the flipping uh, field fund if he gets blown out any game again this season, uh, he should be fired after that game. Okay, I'll I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll make yeah. it. I'll make it happen. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's crazy. Like, people talk about you like you're crazy if you think like a guy getting blown out this often is a problem. Uh, he's not a coach who seems to understand like the kind of town he is. Like getting blown out is one of the biggest signs of not being able to hack it as a college football. Yeah, you really should. It's, it's, you especially at Ohio State. You really shouldn't get blown out, like especially. It's as, like the biggest as sign as it's happened though. recently. Yeah. yeah, it's happened way too often. <laughs> way, way too often. Yeah, yeah, it's happened three times in two seasons. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that yeah. happened like Urban Meyer. We were getting like had to go because it happened like four times in three years. So like, 
what if it happens one more time in a Ryan Day? Like it's time to fucking hit the bricks, dude. Like you in and, and Urban had a championship to fall back on, right? Urban Meyer had being Urban Meyer to fall back on. Yeah. Uh what does Ryan Day have? Like looking like an oblivion extra? Like he's <laughs> what has he done? Like he has he he recruits quarterbacks pretty well. Like, okay, who gives a fuck? I don't care. Yeah. Ryan Hartwell can be the head coach, do the same thing. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Uh like if Ryan Day can't figure out how to prepare his team and, and understand what goes into a successful program, like I, I still think a lot of people are in excitement mode because he hired Jim Knowles. Mm-hmm. And I still, again, do think Ohio State, yeah, despite yeah. all these flaws I'm about to reel off, can win the national championship and is the favorite. Yeah, I, I think Jim but, Knowles is a very good coach. And I, I agree that they that they Ohio State should in theory be the favorite. My 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 issue is more with what they've put on the field the last two years has not yeah, has not reached the it, expectations it, that it realistically should have had for itself. Definitely. And also, I don't think Ryan Day like shows an understanding or shows the capacity to understand his program in a way of like what's actually wrong with it. He it, like he's playing football whack-a-mole. It's like, you know, the defense, like, first of all, like defensive talent was a problem because of like the failures of the, of the Urban Meyer recruiting at the end on defense. So he brought in Kerry Combs to fix that, but then also Kerry Combs couldn't coach. So I brings in Jim Knowles to fix that. And he still has four defensive coaches, has not fixed that yet, still has a special teams coach for no reason who does nothing to the program. Yeah. He's still there. He still has a bad SNC coach. He's still there. No fixes there. Uh, he still has like a, a, an offensive coordinator doesn't really do anything. It just seems to hang out. He still deploys tight ends on the field all the time to them not being valuable players in his yeah. offense and not being used well and uh, taking talent off the field. Like, I think, I don't think he understands this sounds so arrogant for me to say, but I don't think he understands football the way he's supposed to. Uh, I think he's a very good schematic mind who can draw up uh, offensive play calling and develop quarterbacks in a very impressive way. I do not think he understands program building at the college football level the yeah. way you have to to be a successful multi-time champion coach. Yeah. He might win one the way Jimbo won one uh, by having the right mix and like having uh, the right talent, a quarterback in the right season. But he doesn't actually, I think, understand how to program build a sustainable way to win national championships. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would say that he doesn't understand football, but I do think that he is... I have not yet been been shown that he is more than a very good coordinator, right? Um, yeah, and, sure. Yeah, I, coordinators can win as head coaches. They can win national titles as, as head coaches. But in the long term, when you are building a program, it's just not it's not how you do it. The best head coaches are not coordinators. They are not people who think like that. You, it's 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 much more of a macro level. It's much more you know talent development and management not just on the roster but within your staff and and within the entire building in a way that just is hard to develop i i I really it it, we we come off like we like we don't you know like we outright hate ryan day i don't hate ryan day i think that he's overwhelmed Mm. by the situation um yeah you might i'm Mm. not gonna speak for you but (laughs) i think that he's he's getting there he's like i I I, will say like he he's at a real turning point right like uh and my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> I was on his ass last year because I, I think I do think I that think this is a role. critical season for him as well. Like not just for, for crazy season. people like us. Like I, I do think that this is a critical season for him. And it's a critical season for Ohio State yeah. too. Like if he gets blown out in another game this season, or if he misses the playoff again, uh, he's Dabo again, except without two national championships. He's just yeah. falling off that fast. He's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like like you can't let that happen. He's he. It's yeah. If at they, the program I mean, you're at, the caliber program you're at, you can't do that. It's not to, acceptable. To put way too much on one game, they come out and lose to Notre Dame. The situation is dire. <laughs> the situation is very it really is no legit. Very, it really very is. Dire. You're, you're adding so much fuel to Marcus Freeman. Like you're letting like Notre Dame change their own narrative. It's like who's tougher in the Midwest. You're yeah. you're again showing yourself to be an unprepared, undisciplined football team who cannot play against big opponents. 
Yeah, and all of a sudden, that 2020 it. Clemson game is the biggest fluke of, of college history, recent college history. Yeah, it's yeah, he's I, not like it, he. It's just again, it cannot happen. Like like he has to get to the playoff this year. I don't think he has to win the national championship, but he must win the Big Ten. He must beat Michigan. He must beat Notre Dame. He must make the playoff. Yeah. He must make the national championship game. I would say, and he cannot get blown out of it. Like yeah, that's I, the that's the minimum standard this season. I, I, be I think that not if, on the hot seat next year. Yeah, I think I think that if Ohio State gets to the playoff and loses because it is it is limited athletically defensively or because it is limited with top end talent defensively, but wins the Big Ten is undefeated, you're you're probably fine with that, right? I, I'm not going to speak for you, but generally speaking, the general you is probably fine with that at Ohio State because. Well, that's his problem. No, it's not because he's been there. It'll be his I, I agree, but I, I do think that with a new defensive coordinator, you can at least make the case that, like, yeah, you're going to get new defensive guys in there. Um, and maybe if it, it... Yeah, but if you uh, but if you just had a guy who's been a defensive coordinator on the top of college football and seems to know everything, and even he can't get it right to the point where it has to be because of your, like, athletic problem, yeah. and you don't fix the problem with the athletes, that's, like, you don't yeah, fix that, the development that, issue... That extends beyond the season, obviously. Well, there's I, no I, chance he's going to fire McRoddy. It just literally will not happen. Like, yeah. he's not going to do it as well, long as he's Well, then I'll ask real quick, as, as we, we have... We have decided to blow past any sort of time requirements. I do want to ask you real quick, um, what does get McMurray? What are we at? What time is it? Um, it's nine fifty-eight my time. We've been no, doing... no, 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 no. What's the what's the what's the um, one the podcast time? Hour forty-three. Um... <laughs> I, before we started the podcast, before I was like, ah, we might just go sixty today. I'm gonna yeah. be a quick one. We were on pace for it, and then we started the show, and <laughs> that became an issue. <laughs> I do want to ask you real quick. Um, is sacrifice essentially sac- not like doing it purposefully, but would you sacrifice this season of Ohio State football to get Mickey Marotti fired? No, it's not. No, I wouldn't. No, because uh, I, I think they can win a national championship with him as a strength coach. Okay, which is which will then torture me personally. But <laughs> a natty is worth so much, man. Like they're, they're pretty rare. Like winning a national championship was worth the next three years of urban Meyer next four years of urban Meyer. So what, get, uh, what, what does get him fired then? What, if anything, what would get McMurray fired? He has to retire. Like I honestly, actually I would say us winning a national championship is a great reason for him to go retire. Hmm. Uh, I maybe God, if that Urban feels comes like back, extremely go wishful thinking on your part, <laughs> that feels like uh, incredibly yeah. wishful thinking. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what it'll take. I, I maybe I need to ask him personally. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll, track, Simon, him. we'll track him down. We know what Jimmy goes to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into that at a later, later date again. But <laughs> look, I mean, maybe maybe if you're hearing this, Ryan, somehow this makes us want to hear your ears. And, and you hear a heartfelt plea from a young boy in Ohio who's battling uh, deep Ohio State brain disease. Mm-hmm. Here's my plea to you. Look around and ask yourself, are you doing the best you can really do? Are you really giving it your all? Like, are you, are you learning new things? Are you trying new things? Are you keeping up with modern methods? Are, are you testing everything you do? Are you, are you like experimenting to see if it's actually working? Are you, are you thinking through every part of your process? Are you just coasting? Are you just cashing paychecks from the highest state university and letting go with, with what will happen? Uh, are you hiring smart assistants? Are you guys developing things based on empirical principles? Or are you just kind of hanging out and winging it? Is a man who's your height supposed to be coaching a program like this? Have you thought about that? Mm-hmm. Are you meant to do this job? Are you man do, enough do for you, this, <laughs> Mickey? Are you man enough to do this? 
What what do you bench? What's your, what's your max sitting reach, dude? What is your max sitting reach? What like what what's your velocity? What's your velocity in a 60% 10 by 2? Yeah. What's your force production? Nick, what size pants? You know? What size what's what's your inseam? <laughs> <laughs> what size shoes are you wearing, Nick? <laughs> what's your mother's band name? <laughs> Who's your first pet? <laughs> are you high right now? <laughs> Do you ever get nervous? <laughs> are you getting money? <laughs> oh, Mick, how Look, can, Mick, Mick, how can you hate from outside of the club? You can't even get in. <laughs> Look, Mick. <laughs> It's time to go, dude. It's time to hit the fucking bricks. It's time to get a new job. You're you're worn out. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. The Ohio, uh, listen, it's a matter of time. I'm telling you, I may be a relatively, we may have a relatively insignificant podcast. Uh, I'm not exactly captain a million followers over here, but I promise I will post my way to turning the state of Ohio against you. You can leave with your own free will, or I will turn the average like Buckeye fan 7724 poster uh, I, by the way, check that account. I bet it exists uh, into, into someone who like knows your name and hates you in a message board. We will do this. We will post our way into making public enemy number one. Yeah. You can leave your own volition or we can, we can do this. <laughs> Ryan is, is he's storming the Ohio state house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it will God. happen, Patrick. We will, the strength of our arguments, the, the strength of our convictions. Yeah. And the strength uh, the of will, us physically. Yeah. Both of us physically, yeah, us for sure. Uh, both of us combined. Yep. Um, the the will of our holy Buckeye Jihad. Hmm. Let's let's say your find... let's say your holy Buckeye Jihad. <laughs> <laughs> People know you're pure of heart. Allah knows. And Allah, he knows what you do. You've been you've been fasting uh-huh. uh, for Buckeye for Buckeye Rob. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah patrick has been actually that this is a fun idea what's buckeye ramadan it's, it's, it's buckeye ramadan is when you're allowed to eat all day but you can't drink bush light until the sun goes down <laughs> yep. 